Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The Super Bowl, it's right around the corner. We got a championship weekend in just a couple of days. So if you're looking to bet on any of the sports going on, BetOnline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And don't forget, there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag betonline.ag and sign up today betonline your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining the pod today i have a very special guest today he is the director of 85 the greatest team in football history a documentary about the 1985 chicago bears the director himself is scott preston scott thank you so much for joining the pod how are you today good man thanks for having me joey tell you i got a chance to watch the documentary again i saw it i want to say about maybe like a year ago through a friend that said you gotta check it out it's unbelievable. Just so many different amazing interviews, not just from so many members of the Bears team, but celebrities too as well. But if you can, just sort of maybe talk us, take us back to the beginning a little bit. Talk us about the young Bears fan that was Scott back in the 80s and maybe your journey through filmmaking and production. And when you got into filmmaking, is this a project that you always wanted to work on your whole life or is it something that sort of came back to you a little bit later? Yeah, I grew up in Libertyville. I'm sure you know where Libertyville is. Uh, my wife's family smoke park. So they lovingly call it Wisconsin, but it, it is in Illinois. Um, yeah, so I grew up with the Bears, and, and certainly the 85 Bears was a big part of my childhood. And just, you know, who doesn't love that team, especially if you live in, in the Chicago suburbs? So fast forward, uh, one of my buddies from law school, Rich Lankoff, became my production partner. And a couple of years back, we were having a production meeting, and he brought up the 30th anniversary of the Super Bowl. And no one, you know, there's really nothing on the radar, anyone doing anything special video wise. And then we kind of kept talking about it and realized there'd never been, there's a lot of filmmakers in Chicago. No one had ever made a by Chicagoans for Chicagoans doc about the 85 Bears. You know, there's always these cute little commercial pieces by whatever, you know, ESPN might push out or whatever. So we, you know, we, we kind of talked to the Bears. They said, no, we don't, we don't have anything on our radar either. No one's, you know, contacted us. So we kind of greenlit it softly and reached out right away to Otis Wilson, mama's boy Otis. And um, we kind of assumed the road would be paved a little smoother if we had a bear, a Chicago bear and 85 bear co-producing. And we had heard he's, he was very universally liked. You know, I mean, that whole team, they were all buddies, but there was the offense, there was a the defense, there were some clicks. And, and I guess he was like one of the popular guys, like everyone loved Otis. So we reached out to him, we bought him lunch and he was just a cool dude. And he said, yeah, I'll co-produce with you and let's, let's have some fun. So before we knew it, we were asking buddies for investments and, and we were shooting interviews, you know, and it was, it was a blast. And for the people that haven't gotten a chance to check out this doc, you absolutely have to, you have to go find it on Amazon prime right now. I mean, if you want to talk about Chicago celebrities, I mean, Barack Obama, Bill Murray, George Went, Joe Montana, even the very famous Bill Curtis. I thought that was an excellent poll too, as well. <laughs> And then you've got a, a ton of members and some of the members uh, on the 85 bears, you know, some of the guys maybe that weren't necessarily in the limelight and the highlights, but still had some great stories and some great things to say during the doc, which side in your opinion was a little bit easier, the celebrity side, the bill Murray Obama side, or was it tracking down some of these old 85 bears? You know, none of it was that hard. Like Otis's uh, Rolodex is obviously perfect. So he helped <laughs> get in touch with everybody. 
And then the celebrity side, like I'll credit my co-producer, Rich Lankoff and myself, we're good at what we do. We, you know, we know how to produce, but you pick up a phone and you call anyone and you say, I want to do something for the 85 Chicago bears. They, they drop what they're doing and they jump on board, you know? So um, yeah, we had a blast. And if we had reached out to another 28 list celebrities, that were Bears fans and heads of state, they all would have said yes. They just call up Matt Walsh and be like, hey, can you be the narrator? And he's like, what time? <laughs> what, yeah, what time do you need me there? That was pretty much verbatim the phone call. Matt was awesome, by the way. Yeah, super cool guy. And you did such a great job, too, just walking, not just through the season, but I really loved how, uh, you know, I know the 85 Bears through the lores and stories of my uncles and my fathers, right? I was two years old when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. But the stories that I didn't get a chance to hear you did such a great job of illustrating what it was like to be a Bears fan before those seasons, those prior years, the lean years when Walter Payton's in his prime, but you're showing footage of them throwing beer bottles onto the field. You know, Chicago sports was in a really fragile place at that particular time, which I think also kind of helped create this dynamic of what made the 85 Bears maybe so special. In a vacuum, it was big in and of itself, right? But but yeah, the fact that everyone was so down in the dumps in Chicago for the years prior. Yeah. It was, it was just this box of fireworks that went off, you know, and, and everyone needed that in Chicago, I think at that time. So Barack Obama, who, you know, we interviewed, he, he even said, you know, I was a new kid in Chicago and things seemed a little, you know, gray in the city. And I was trying to find my way And this 85 bears thing just brought us all together. I found myself at pubs meeting people and we were high-fiving and it was, you know, it was just a ray of sunshine for everybody in that city. It was great. If you could maybe take us behind the curtain uh, for the listeners, what was that process like, not just booking Obama, but the process that it took to actually set up? It's not a normal interview. You know, he's not just able to just come, you know, maybe to your backyard or your office, your studio to do the interview. What was that experience like in general? And how was he during the process? He, well, so we, I never met uh, President Obama, unfortunately. What, what happened was we wanted to get him. We knew he was a Bears fan, you know, and uh we had heard of, or I think my production partner, Rich, had a, a connection with Cody Keenan, who was Barack's head uh, speechwriter. And Cody was a Northwestern grad and also a Monster Bears fan. So we reached out to Cody and said, look, this is what we're doing. This is what we're up to. We'd love to interview the president. And we, you know, we would love for you to meet. We, we uh, interviewed Cody as well. And he was awesome in the doc. He's got a couple of, of uh, pop-ups. And uh, so he just walked it across the hall to uh, Barack and, and Barack was like, yeah, I love the bears. Let's, let's what time? Let's, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. time do you need me? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, after all the official stuff got out of the way, they gave us a date to fly out there. We brought our crew out and we knew it wasn't a layup. Like he's the president, like anything could happen. But we also knew if we went out, he eventually might take care of our questions, you know? So we all flew out and they had our names and our badges ready at the, at the West gate, which was cool. And we walked around and, and uh, interviewed Cody. And then uh, president Obama's handler eventually came up to us and said, look, the, the whole family just got off a helicopter. Uh, they came back from, I forget what foreign country they were at. And it was 3 PM. They're, like, they're all going to bed. They're in their pajamas. They're crashing. They're, they're, so leave me your questions. Let's see what we can do. And that that's kind of the investment in time and, and money we made was hoping that would happen. And, and, uh, Weeks later, just a few weeks later, he was nice enough to throw it in his video day. The presidents, once a month, they'll do a, a video day where they sit in the Oval Office and it's all pre-lit and pre-framed. And they'll do a charity, drink, drink a glass of water, do the Bears doc, drink a glass of water, and they'll bang out a bunch of stuff. So we made the hot list and, and he's in our doc and we greatly appreciate it, you know. And it's one of my favorite parts of the documentary towards the end there where Cody is this guy who works for President Obama. You know, they meet all sorts of heads of state you know, international dignitaries, diplomats. And he's like, the one time I'm not professional in my life 
is when I had to go get that football to come back and see if the 85 bears can sign that football. I thought that was just such a cool moment because that group of athletes had such a huge impact and not just people in Chicagoland and obviously Cody and Obama, everyone and myself and yourself from Chicago, but just this, this group of people, can you talk about, you know, the, the myth, the legend, the folklore of this group of, you know, wild, entertaining, outspoken, intelligent, wildly dangerous group of athletes. And you kind of now get a chance to walk through all of them and interview them. Did the group itself as a whole meet you, meet your expectations? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, they're, they're what you think they are. You see them, you've seen them in the media before. They're all exactly the personas that, that you think. I mean, Mongo was awesome, but he was still Mongo. He was just super hyper and intense. Ditka. Yeah. Everyone was amazing. I didn't, I didn't get to attend all of the interviews There were a few in, I'm in LA. So there were a few in Chicago I couldn't make. And then my partner couldn't make some that we did out here or that he wasn't available for. So I missed Ditka. I had met him once before, but uh, yeah, I was, a, I was a bummer missing that one, but yeah, they were all just amazing and, and, and giving of their time and just, they're still all huge personalities. You know, that, that was the thing was not, not only were these guys just super dangerous on the field, but it was like someone cast a TV show, right? Just the myriad of personalities and the energy and, and knuckleheads and, and, and punky QBs and, you know, just what a, what a great group of guys. And what a, yeah, it runs the gamut of characters, right? Michael, Mike Singletary's, you know, like he's the, the purest soldier and, and McMahon's like the wild party boy. And, you know, Willie Galt's like the good looking, fast, athletic dude who ends up writing the Super Bowl shuffle song, which is a great insight that I didn't realize. Yeah. And I just imagine... I mean, it doesn't matter maybe what the documentary is. Just get Steve Mongo McMichael to come in and say some stuff because every time he's on there, his sound bites are just so incredible. And uh, just having him around, I can imagine what the handlers must be thinking that day when they're bringing in Mongo just to make sure that he stays happy the whole time. Yeah, I'm sure it's maybe a little bit extra than normal. He's, he's so intense, man. Everyone was, everyone was awesome. We're so grateful. Uh, I wish we could have interviewed more people, but at some point, budget-wise, time-wise, you, you, you just got to stop, you know? And we had some deadlines for delivery, but yeah, just what a, what a bucket list treat meeting all those guys, you know, my, all my heroes, you know? And unfortunately, of course, uh, the one person you weren't able to interview because he passed away was Walter Payton. I did want to give you a lot of credit, though. A lot of people are familiar with the, the 30 for 30 Bears documentary. But what I really loved about yours, and I think that's, and you said you made it for Chicagoans, and I truly believe that you hit it right on the head with this, was you guys spent the proper time giving Walter Payton his credit. The 85 Bears are always going to be remembered for this Bears defense, the greatest defense of all time. I think a lot of people to this day, as the years go on, forget that one of the greatest, if not the greatest running back of all time was also on that team too as well. You know, was that something that when you set out to do the documentary, you were like, we got to make sure Walter gets his certain section, gets his time, gets his high, highlights, because that was also one of my favorite parts is when you guys spent some time on that. Oh, I appreciate that. No, it was never like pre-planned. I think just because he, he is just bigger than life, he just sucked his way into the film that, that much on his own. So yeah, we, we love Walter and, and his family was, was so nice about, you know, being part of the production. I, I am one of those fans. I'll go ahead and say though, that like, you know, a lot of people are salty. He didn't get a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And I think Ditko didn't think about it. That's what he said in the interview. And um, I think it's a shame, but at the same time, you know, it is a team sport and the Bears won. And, and that just is what it is, right? He was there to be part of the team. It's not the Walter Payton show. So I don't, I personally didn't feel bad as, as much as I would have loved him to. I don't think it's a crime that Ditka did, but he, Ditka got a lot of heat, right? For not throwing him in there more and, and getting his touchdown. There's no shortage of love in the universe for Walter. And I'm, 
you know, he was there to help win that game. You know? Yeah. I, I'm in agreement with you on that. I, I understand that it seemed to be a bigger uh, deal at the time, especially in the eighties and post game, you know, you could tell Walter Payton is, Oh, he was you know, so upset. Legitimately yeah. crushed. I mean, he was happy that they won, but legitimately crushed. He didn't score a touchdown. But you know what? I go back and I started looking at the game logs from that season. Walter Payton had eight straight games with 100-plus yards rushing. You know, he scored 11 touchdowns. I mean, that guy, 1,500 yards for the season. That And he was in his 30s at that point. That was towards, like, you know, the last few years of his career. He was still an incredible player. I mean, he really was. Oh Everyone God. talks about the punky QB and, and Willie Gall, but if you kind of pull up those numbers a little bit, that was Walter Payton's show on offense. It was the defense and Walter Payton. You know, I don't think Bears fans will ever take that away from him, and I don't think it'll ever be, you know, it won't shine as brightly because he didn't get that touchdown. That's how no, I feel. No, he's a superstar no matter what. He had a couple touches, right? He had some chances at the at the end zone during the game, and, and Patika said, I, if I recall, you know, I used him as a, a decoy. Everyone's, it's, everyone thinks it's Walter Wright, and we're going to go the other way, and it worked. And, and if that was his best use on that play, that that's what it was, you know, but – yeah, I, I would love to see him with a touchdown, but he's a superstar regardless, right? Well, and how do you get Willie Galt 129 yards in the Super Bowl? It's probably with the whole team focusing in on Walter Payton at that particular time. We're going to take a quick break because today's episode is also brought to you by Kansas City Steaks. With a new year comes tons of new big games and sports. With big games, you know you need big steaks. Kansas City Steaks has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. So visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. Save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus get free shipping with code BLEAV. That's BLEAV. Believe at checkout. You got to try out their snack pack combo. It's mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon. It doesn't get any better than that. And every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak manageable plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. So again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use the code BLEAV. BLEAV, believe at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games. Big taste. Just looking back on it, I was trying to pull up some numbers. I mean, you know, I, I forget that those first two playoff games, the Bears defense didn't allow them to score a point. The Rams and Giants, for all of you listening, and maybe, well, who are the 85 Bears? I hear about them. I don't know a lot about them. They didn't allow them to score a point in the first two playoff games. And then what? when I think the Patriots scored one touchdown early on, but that game was never within reach. I mean, truly, this is a dominant, dominant unit. 64 sacks that season, 34 interceptions. I think in the playoffs, they allowed a completion percentage of around 40%. Did you get an opportunity to to look at a lot of the old game films? Was that kind of a part of, was that some of the fan and you kind of like, hey, I want to dive into some of this old stuff? Or were you also just trying to like, you know, try and compile as much of the, the footage as you possibly can just from that era? Well, we, we had, you know, obviously we had to go to the NFL for all the footage. And they we sent a wish list, and they sent a pretty good um, selection. We didn't to go we didn't get to go through their library like just run naked and barefoot through their footage library. But yeah, we got to see some some pretty cool stuff from the season from the Super Bowl, and, and you got to see what we could afford on our budget, right? They they, they weren't giving it away, um, but it was amazing to go through that old footage and, and and see Bill Murray walking around on the sidelines with his little hat on. It, it was yeah, just to, to relive it again from the the raw footage side of it was amazing. And there's tons of never seen a uh, seen before footage in that doc of, you know, just after practice, before practice, them living that celebrity life a little bit. I loved all the drops of all the old commercials that they all of a sudden started doing, you know, Fridge Perry's what doing Chevrolet. 
and yeah. you've got you know you got Walter Payton doing his car commercials. They were doing lottery tickets, which is which is a really cool one. They I mean, were these, celebrities nationally. Yeah, yeah, these guys were rock stars. And my question for you is the whole dynamic between Dicka and Buddy Ryan was really interesting to me, where it's that classic old story that doesn't seem to exist anymore, where it, it everyone needs to get along to be able to collaborate uh, creatively, at least these days, it seems like. Back then, though, that butting of heads, that that friction actually brought the best out of the team. It felt like, can Buddy Ryan and Mike Dicka survive today's social media, the modern way that we consume our sports? I mean, would that even be a thing that could exist because the pressure of their discord would be too out there in the public? I think Buddy Ryan would survive because knowing what I know of Buddy, I don't think he would own a computer. So he'd be... <laughs> And I'm pretty sure Ditka would be canceled by a Me Too. Some movement would end up getting him at some point, right? He's just too brash and outspoken, and and uh, that's just not quite as as allowed today. But uh, yeah, it would be interesting, right? If we could clone him and bring him back, it would be interesting. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it'd be an interesting social experiment just to see, and then have a great over under guess of how long Mike Ditka would probably last, right? Before before actually getting in some sort of kind of trouble. Just thinking about this '85 Bears team. You know, you you mentioned it. It's the greatest team in football history. And then you go towards the end of the documentary and you're asking people, you know, is it the greatest team ever? And in Pete, no one's no one's knocking it down. Everyone's at the very least contemplating it again. At the very least, do you ever think we're going to see that kind of defense again? You know, I think I was thinking about this when we were making the doc. And I feel like and my my partner and I talked about it. If you get that collection of, of athletes and, and just train killers again all in one team it's like the brute squad from um, princess bride right they're just just knuckle dragging maniacs i i think they in the current game they would just rack up too many penalties right because back then it was take the take the quarterback's head off and throw them in the garbage you know and now it's just there's so much protection for the quarterback and, and all the other rules they've for good reason that they've included i i don't know what they would they would have their hands cuffed i would think right that group of guys i don't know and well, the, the modern NFL free agency, could they keep them all on the same team? But just for that one year, the combination of Dent, McMichael, a young Fridge, Perry, Dan Hampton all together at one point. The, the one that blows me away is 34 interceptions in one season. You just don't even see that anymore. That's over two interceptions a game. That's obviously that's the pass rush getting to the quarterback and the ball just flying up in the air. Think about all the different, you know, now with the passing attack in the modern NFL game today, what would they get? 50 interceptions? It, it's up for debate at that point. Yeah. I mean, we, we had multiple people tell us that the opposing quarterback was literally scared. Like, not, you know, they take a beating every game, but they, when they played the Bears in 85, they were literally fearful for, for walking off that field. You know, that's how bad it was. Do you have any recollection or memories of what those seasons were like after the 85 bears? You know, they, they do. Uh, everyone talks about it. Even in my family members, you mentioned in the documentary about what could have been, you know, the dynasty that never was, you know, how close they, they, they reached greatness, but weren't able to keep it going. Do you remember that era of the bears and kind of what happened or what that felt like to be a bears fan at that time? Yeah, a little bit, right? There's a little emptiness because you, you kind of wanted a little bit of a, of a, a series of victories and, and, and championships. And, and in the doc, a lot of people blame it on, you know, management for not keeping the team together and spending the money, right? And letting people go. But I don't know. We're, we're, I think we're lucky to get what we got at that point in Chicago that, that at that time, like you said earlier, when, when things were so very flat in Chicago, that, that this peak came out of nowhere and, and it was, it's, a higher peak and it shone more brightly than any, you know, had before. Like it was just an amazing time and, and, and we're lucky to have, have gotten what we got, I guess. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen a, 
in the next two to three years, another Super Bowl, and you know, like the Bulls did or whatever, just something, a, a run, right? A dynasty, but you know, maybe, maybe 85 wouldn't have been the, the beacon that it is if, if there was an 87 as well, you know? Yeah, so, there was a victory lap and another championship. Maybe now you're just comparing the other championship with the 85 team, but now the 85 team just stands alone as this, you know, this zeitgeist to the moment, this team that's still today that everyone talks yeah. about. They're the Beatles because they, they were that whole decade. They were the only thing that shone brightly, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've got just a couple more here for, for Scott Preston, director of 85, the greatest team in football history, the Bears documentary, excellent documentary. Of all the people that you interviewed, Bill Murray, Ike Barinholtz, George Went, Robert Smigel, who's cracking you up the most maybe on set or who was maybe the one that you were most uh, excited to meet from a comedy perspective? Oh, from a comedy. Ike was awesome. He's, he's, a, he's a funny guy. He's awesome. And, yeah, and we, we really appreciated him giving us his time. Smigel is hilarious. He's very dry, but, boy, he's a, he's a funny guy, a talented guy. Yeah, you know, you threw Bill Murray in that group. How do you not say – how do you not answer Bill Murray, right? I mean, he was – he walked in the room. He sounded like Bill Murray. He looked like Bill Murray. You kind of freaked out a little bit, you know? And uh, do you want the Bill Murray story real quick? Oh, yes, I please. I, I, I'm dying. I'm dying to hear it. I, I'm guessing he was the guy that was circled a little bit on the call sheet and was like, I, this is, this is the guy. I mean, him, Obama, a couple of these guys, we, we just said, we're getting them and no matter what. And, and we got lucky that, that we did. And again, we're good at what we do, but, but it's just, they both love the 85 bears. And then that's why it happened. But he has no manager or agent to speak of Bill Murray. He has an attorney who will not forward messages, so you have to get a hold of his cell phone, which Otis is a golfer, and so is Bill. So we got his cell phone pretty quick, um, but he's still Bill Murray. So we talked to him four or five times over a couple of months, and no matter what time of day I called him, he was always having lunch. It could be 10 p.m. I'm in the middle of lunch. But he must have been in Hong Kong. I don't know. You know, the guy's all over the place, but he was always very polite and said, yes, this interests me. I love the 85 Bears. I love Otis. Let's keep talking. We just stayed in touch. And then I was with my editor pretty late in the game. And it was like 3 p.m. And I got my cell phone rang. And I looked down. It says Bill Murray. You know, you know, whoa. And I picked it up. And he said, hey, Scott, how you doing? Um, I'm going to be at LAX tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, I've got a 45-minute layover. <laughs> you can get your butt over there. I'm yours. Let's, let's do this. Oh, man. All hands on deck. So there's a quiet pause and then it's like the three stooges bumping into each other and, and people dropping phones and whatever. So LAX has its own uh, film office. They want you to shoot there, but it, it's a couple weeks of, of pre-arrangement with the police and, and permits and all this. So we, he was flying Delta, I guess that's his airline. And we called the vice president Delta who is housed at LAX. And he said, we love Mr. Murray. We appreciate his business. Come on down tomorrow. We'll, we'll bring you in the celebrity entrance. Delta's got a celebrity entrance at LAX, and there's like sushi, and they take your bags from you. It's, I'll probably never get in there again, but it was nice. You say a world I've never heard yeah. of and may yeah. never touch. Little, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, they walked us through security with our equipment. The Delta folks did. It was amazing. And we ended up in the Sky Lounge, and that's one of the few Delta Sky Lounges that doesn't have like a breakaway area, like a boardroom or a separate, you know, quiet area. So me and the crew built a fort out of chairs and tables kind of cordoned off this 15 by 15 area and the noise was still horrible, but at least we had some privacy or whatever. And uh, Bill came in, you know, from his flight from Minnesota. He's like, guys, I got 40 minutes and we mic'd him up and he was amazing. And he signed his release and um, I thanked him and hugged him. And on his way out, it was, it was the Delta Sky Lounge and they were doing like a wine tasting, you know, like a free wine tasting for the Delta Sky uh, Club members. 
And on his way out, he's going to his connecting flight uh, to Hawaii, I think, if, if, if I recall. And uh, he walked up to the lady at the, the wine tasting table and said, hey, I'm Bill Murray. And he picked up a bottle of wine and, and walked out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, and he was just just amazing and just such a nice guy. And, and, and we just really appreciate his time, you know. Oh, what a wonderful experience. What a great grab to get in. You know, you got Bill Murray automatically, you know, you, he doesn't need to say anything. He's in the documentary. It's incredible. But he had some really interesting, eloquent, poignant things to say about what it means to be a Chicago sports fan that I really took to heart. My final question for you. Thank you so much for joining the pod. It was a great time talking to you. I just kept thinking, keep going back to the beginning of that, that documentary. And, um, you know, I know you're a busy man. You don't get a chance to watch every single game. But, you know, the general scope, scope of Chicago sports right now, I'll be honest, it's looking a little bleak. You know, the Cubs are in financial trouble. They're getting rid of players. The White Sox are good, but the Blackhawks are, are rebuilding. They're injured. A lot of their guys that won Cups are getting old. The core is getting, you know, is aging. The Bears are in purgatory. They're going nowhere. The Bulls may be competitive. They're a long way to go. It just sort of feels like maybe we're in that same spot again that that Chicago sports was in those couple of years right before the 85 Bears. Could it be possibly... Could Chicago sports fans maybe be right around the corner from the next great, amazing team? Or is it just, was the 85 Bears just that lightning in a bottle, you know, that uh, that shooting star? And will Chicago sports ever see anything like it again? Boy, I don't know. Man. I, I hope we're not on the verge of another Chicago drought, right? I hope not. I mean, the Cubs had some recent success. The Bears had, they started out hot, right? They had an okay early season. So it's not, it's not that wasteland that, that the early 80s was, but you know, maybe a couple of quiet years will set the stage for the next 85 bears, right? Maybe, we'll, maybe the, the 2023 bears will just knock our socks off and we're all suicidal. That, that's, that what, that's what I need to hear. You know, the quiet before the storm, right? <laughs> that's all, that's all we can really cling to right now for Chicago sports fans. I'm, I'm with you, man. Let, let's uh, I hope the wait isn't too long, but we're, we're ready for another one. That's for sure. Yeah. New year time to get some uh, time to get some sports optimism going, some, some buzz going. Let's see what the Chicago bears can do next year. It was a frustrating end of the season, but you never know what can happen with a new year, maybe a new quarterback. I'm with you, dude. I'm, I'm ready. Let's let's uh, I'll meet you in uh, studio city. Let's watch a game. Oh God. I would love that. We could high five and everything and we can watch touchdown. It'd be, it'd be a dream. That's all I'm really thinking about these days. Scott Preston, the director of 85, the greatest team of football history, the bears documentary. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining. Uh, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Happy 2021 and just wish you nothing but the best and success in the future. Uh, thanks, Joey. Thank you for having me on, man. Have a great year. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Kansas City Stakes. Make sure you check out BetOnline.ag for all the football action this weekend. And Kansas City Stakes, it'll look pretty good on your plate and taste pretty good in your belly too as well. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with some more pods. Until then, be well, be safe. Be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.